This is a show that brings to the forefront newsmakers, entertainers, and those making a difference in our lives and in our world. Each week is a new adventure with topics ranging from the most serious and cutting edge to the most lighthearted and entertaining. This is Taking Care of Business with Richard Solomon. Greetings, everyone. Richard Solomon, Taking Care of Business. This week, we have some special jazz music. We're going to be talking to Stan Chopnik, the president of Metropolitan Records, a, a past guest and a, a friend of the show. And to help us, we have Paul Solomon as our co-host, because Paul is a musician in his own right. He's a violinist, has been a violinist for decades. And uh, we welcome everybody to the show. Stan, thank you for uh, being gracious enough with your time. And Paul, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So in the background, I am playing Love Vibrations for Planet Earth, which is your new CD. Yes. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, if you want to just sort of just have a nice little mellow moment, just kind of be able to just drive in a, in a nice clear day, you put this on, it's actually very serene. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's um, The Love Vibrations is supposed to be um, uh, both healing and, uh, and, and, and uh, helping the earth and helping the people of the earth and at the same time, be um, jazz. So, Well, there's a picture of a handsome devil in the inside of the CD that says, let the love vibrations reverberate throughout the planet, bringing freedom, goodwill, happiness, healing, joy, love, peace, and unity consciousness to all inhabitants of the earth. So that's pretty heavy. Um, well, I, I, I wanted to do that because I feel like in this day and age that um, people need to come together and people need to protect the earth and protect each other and to be connected and to make the world a better place and not to separate each other from, uh, from, from other groups, other colors, other races, and just all to be... Uh, working together to make the earth a better place. And that was the inspiration for Love Vibrations for Planet Earth. So you have five tracks on this album. Uh, Is there a unifying concept theme? I'm not seeing this where I need Paul. Um, Is is this like a concept album? It, It is. I mean, there's one exception to the concept, and that is the second song, which is called Little Princess. Uh, and that's for my granddaughter. For Emma. For Emma. <laughs> because it says so on the CD. It's not, yes. like, it's not like I really knew that answer. <laughs> so otherwise, the, the, the songs are all kind of connected. We have um, a song, Searching Sp- for Spirituality, which Linda wrote. And it was... press grave for was, all those people out there. Oh, and it was inspired um, by um, a trip that we took to New Mexico where we went to the ghost ranch where Georgia O'Keefe lived. And uh, she was a very spiritual person, and she was searching for spirituality. That was what um, her intention was when she went to New Mexico, and that inspired Linda uh, Pressgrave to to, to write that piece. And then we have um, another piece by Linda called The Journey, and that's also the journey through life and... um, um, different um, aspects. What Linda always says is when you're thinking life goes in one direction, all of a sudden it goes in another. 
So um, that that's that's connected. And then there's my piece called Universal Freedom, which is connected to what I just said before. That I felt, I feel that uh, people have should be entitled to be free to follow their desires and wishes, and that um, people should not be inhibited by um, the way they think because people around them might think differently. So universal freedom is that everybody should be entitled to the freedom to be and think and do what they want as long as they're not hurting anybody else. So that's that's my inspiration for that piece. And it's connected, as far as I see it, to the love vibrations for planet Earth. Now, your role as a grandfather, has yes. that changed your worldview? Has it changed my, uh, my role no, in, in your, life, your, you mean? No, your worldview. Uh, you know, I think as I've, I've gotten older, I've started to look at the world in a different way than I did when I was younger. And um, I do feel like I want to communicate and bring people together and um, have the world be a better place where this everyone is loving each other and trying to help each other and realizing that we're all here together. And if we don't take care of each other and the earth, then um, it might not exist <laughs> in the future. So a message like that has probably come into play more as I've gotten older, yes. Well, I, as a musician, though, has your views musically changed? Yes, it has, too. I, um, I, both Linda and I really have changed the way that we have um, looked at music. I think um, I know for myself that I've tried to have the music be important in the sense of bringing across a message, sending a message to peop other people, uh, not just having a pretty song, but having a message in the music. And that that's something that I didn't think about when I was younger. I just, if I really liked the song, then that was great. But I, I think it's important for me at this point to also have a message in the music. So you're not just creating a tone poem anymore. You want to do something beyond that. Yes, 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 definitely, yes. So then my question then is, how do you do that? I mean, do you sit at a score? Do you sit at a keyboard? I'm very fascinated by the process because this is very different from what I would be doing. Um, well, I think what I do is sometimes I'll just... Um, be, um, I don't know, thinking about something and then some idea will come to me and then what I do is having my iPhone with me, <laughs> I, I, I'll just put like um, under the notes um, some kind of an idea that I come up with. It could be a musical idea, it could be um, something that came to my mind, a thought that came to my mind. And and then I'll, I will I'll put that down, and then um, then I'll I don't know it's, it's I just let it develop. I'm not in a hurry to finish a tune, 
So it, it's not like I'll, I'll sit down like in an afternoon and say, okay, this afternoon I'm going to write this piece and uh, and then tomorrow I'm going to play it. I just kind of let the piece develop in my mind. And um, and that's like in Love Vibrations. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that, that, that I did is um, uh, I have a fascination with gongs. <laughs> and uh, in the beginning of Love Vibrations, there's actually six gongs uh, that the different musicians in the group play from all over the world. One gong is from Nepal. One is from uh, Thailand. Um, I have um, gongs from China. They're all different kinds of gongs. And um, Do the I, gongs play just one tone? Is it just like an A or a C, or is it multi-tone? It, 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 it's interesting because each gong is different. Um, in fact, it was funny because once I started buying the gongs and, and playing them, I started reading about them a little and noticed that um, they were all they were um, just like different instruments. There's different kinds of gongs, and um, the the like the one I have is a Chinese gong, a large one, and that one if you play it, you get various sounds, various tones, and if you hit the gong in a different place, you'll get, you'll get different vibrations. And um, the same thing, I have one gong, it's called the dark, a dark star gong, and it's actually the gong that uh, the, the Grateful Dead played on Dark Star. Which, oh, the uh, famous I, Dark Star, yeah. Yes, so I have that. And then, if you, then uh, on the uh, one, I, I have a, a Vietnamese gong, and it's it's like a little nipple, and it's, so if you hit that, it's one sound on that. But uh, when you say sound, is it like a chord of like a chord like an A over a B flat, or is it just solid A? I mean, on on the on that one, the um, uh, Vietnamese one, it's one like one note, one sound. Okay. It'll vibrate, but it's one sound. On the Chinese one, that large one, you're going to get various tonalities while you're playing it. And so what I wanted to do, um, one of the things about the gong is it's one of the oldest instruments uh, in the world. Uh, it goes back to 3500 B.C. And it was uh, originally a, uh, an instrument that they played like in Tibet and China and a very spiritual sound. So that was part of my thought process when I, I, I wrote that piece and then I have this, the different sounds vibrate at the same time. So you get a lot of different tonalities going on at the same time, different, different, um, different sounds, and then just kind of have them bring a vibration to the earth of, and we're thinking love. So that's what we wanted to do. And then it goes into, after that, it goes into a Native American um, kind of sound in, in the piece when I start playing, and then it develops into into more of a jazz piece, and then it it goes through that, and then eventually goes back to like the Native American sound, and then at the very end, the sound of the gongs again. So, um, and you're all still within the same key during the piece, or like you said, you were going into a Native American sound, and that would be, I guess, a different key than well, like not really, sound, no? because when you have the gongs in there, it's with it, it, with all the tonalities, it's not really in like a key. Okay. 
So when you start with the Native Americans, like kind of a, uh, of a sound, and then the, the even though the, the the piece changes, it doesn't really um, change the key. Uh, it just kind of like I don't know, just kind of a natural kind of a um, flow from it. And um, that piece kind of just developed <laughs> from one thing to another. Um, and so, when you said you were playing, what instrument were you playing? I, I played a soprano saxophone. Okay. So that that's my instrument. And um, besides playing the gongs, of course. And we also, I forgot to mention that the piece also starts off uh, with Linda playing the singing, a singing bowl from Tibet. Um, and What's that, that? What's a singing bowl? If you listen to the very beginning of the song, you'll hear like um, uh, sounds. What it is? It's 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 almost like a meditation kind of a of a sound. And if you it, if you it's a bowl, you hold it, and then you have a wooden um, uh, mallet, and you go around the side of the bowl, and it it has a ringing sound, and. Um, Many people use that if they if they when they're meditating to get a sound of like an ohm or, or or a spiritual sound. So that's how the song starts with the singing bowl goes into the gongs, develop the drums come in because it goes into the um, Native American sound and then into the jazz the jazz feel, and and then back into the, the Native American sound with all kind of a spiritual kind of feeling. Even in the jazz part when I'm playing, um, I don't know, to me it's, it's very spiritual. So, so that, that's, uh, that, that was my intention for that piece. I don't know if you could hear it, but I'm playing it in the background and the recording will pick it up. That was a great narration because I'm picking that up now. And I, I, and I actually understand the song now much better because of that. It's funny because sometimes like musicians will will play something and then put no explanation or never explain it, and you're thinking, what? Why? Where is this coming from? So I think it, it, it it's kind of a nice thing to to be able to explain your thought process and the uh, instruments and how you've thought about it and and arrived at the piece. And it's actually a fun piece when we're playing live <laughs> because. We start off the piece with uh, all the musicians in, in the group working together, playing different gongs, and I put them all over the stage, and it's kind of like a, a cool, cool setting. So how many gongs would be on stage? Um, depending on how many I can carry with me. <laughs> but I try to bring, like, at least four or five with me. Um, we just played a concert, and... Um, I wanted to bring one other large gong with me, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to possibly carry it, because we, we're in the city, and we had to get a, a taxi to take us there, and there's only so many hands you have, so I was like, I think I better leave this one home. So, uh, uh, how about this? At the ideal performance, how many gongs, how many other instruments, assuming no limitations of If tab. I had no limitations, I'd bring um, six, or, six or seven gongs with me. I'd bring um, a singing bowl with me. I'd bring Tibetan bells with me. I'd bring um, all kinds of shakers and percussion instruments. Um, I've, I, I don't know when along the line I became um, fascinated with percussion instruments but I play all of that and then um, my ideal band is me playing soprano saxophone having a tenor saxophone in the group of course a piano an uh, acoustic bass 
and drums. So that that's my uh, my ideal band, and with all that other percussion instruments. And uh, so the last time we played recently, we just did a CD release. Um, I brought five gongs with me, and I did ring the Tibetan bells and the singing bowl. And so I try to bring as many. I, I have. I have. If you come into my house, in my apartment, you'll see all kinds of um, toys. I, in fact, it's a funny thing because talking about my granddaughter. I have plenty of toys for her to play with, just my percussion instrument. <laughs> <laughs> so she comes in, I just play. She plays. With, I she she likes to come over and play the gong, and and, um, and then I have all these things. I have a, also like a Native American drum, um, which is really cool. And how does that sound? What how um, is that different from a, like a traditional snare drum or a traditional timpani? Um, if you listen to actually, I don't know if you, uh, it's hard to kind of explain it, but if you listen to like any kind of like, um, Native American where they have like a, that, that constant beat of just like a drum, like, um, like, uh, I don't know how to explain it, except that, uh, if you listen to Native American, the one thing about the Native American interpretation of the drums is that it's a heartbeat. So it, it's like a constant beat on this thing, and it sounds it has like a nice drum sound. Uh, I'm, I could probably go get it and play it if you want to. Well, do. you know what? We're, we're, we have to take a break. So okay. So maybe on the other side of this break, we'll we'll actually explain that. So this is Richard Solomon, Paul Solomon, Stan Chavnik from Metropolitan Records, which is Metropolitan Records. NYC.com. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Metropolitan Records, NYC.com. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Rory Cosgrove, and you're listening to Rich Solomon on WCWP 88.1 FM. Welcome back. Richard Solomon taking care of business with Paul Solomon and our guest, Stan Chovnik, Metropolitan Records. And uh, we were talking about Native American drum. And before the break, we said we Stan would go out and pull one out and give us a sample of what that heartbeat music was. So, Stan, take it away. So that's the sound of the Native American drum, and uh, they're very different from like. Uh, a normal set for a jazz drumming. Oh yes, it's it's very very different. Um, one of the things that I've I've been enjoying doing, oh, as you said, um, have I evolved, is combining jazz with music from other cultures, and I find that like really fascinating because um, I I think it's very important to bring the world together through music and especially like instrumental music where there's no words, so there's no language, and you just have people listening to it and enjoying it for what it is, and then you bring in certain elements from different cultures, and then it, and, and you're playing jazz. And so you're combining these elements, and you're making kind of like a real unique kind of um, music. And I guess with my classical blinders on, I would find that hard to visualize because I'm so used to a certain tonality. I guess as a jazz person, you could 
have more flexibility because you're probably dealing with some atonal stuff with uh, other ethnic music, right? Well, it's funny because I, I've I've kind of like gotten myself in a place where I really do that. There's a lot of jazz musicians who just it's jazz. It's American jazz. It's 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 not developed any further than that. These people could travel around the world and be all over, but they're playing the same music that they've always played. To me, if I go somewhere, like like my daughter was living in, in Japan, and um, and then I wrote a piece, which um, it's not on the CD, but um, it's a, a kind of a Japanese sound to it, but it's jazz. It's How a blues. How would you explain the Japanese sound, like a Kyoto sound, like that? No, it's just if if, if you listen to like any kind of traditional Japanese. Um, music, it's kind of like almost like a pentatonic scale with certain tonalities. And if you then combine it, like I combine the song in with a with a blues scale, so it's oh, that's it's, very different. So yeah, so so if you listen to it, you can hear the influence of the Japanese music. At the same time, you can definitely hear that it's blues, and so. Things like that kind of like inspire me. I, I like doing it. And Linda, Linda Pressgrave, who we mentioned before, she's done a lot of that too. And we 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 love doing it. She she wrote an Asian suite when we went to um, to Japan, uh, Macau, to uh, Hong Kong, and then uh, when we went, to, we had uh, we played a jazz uh, festival in France, and she wrote. A French suite, and the same thing. So, so we play together all the time. And but getting we, back to your Japan setup, what would be the instrumentation? It's the same instrumentation that um, um, in our in our traditional group, which is the bass, right? Drums, a bowed bass or a plucked bass? Um, like a, a, a bow, a, well, both because it's uh, um, it, 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 this. You can do one at some point and another at the other. Okay. It's an acoustic bass, and, um, and it just so happens that our drum is Japanese, uh, which is. Um, but um, and then Linda on piano, and then I play the soprano saxophone. And once in a while, depending on the performance, we have a tenor sax. But most of the time, it's it's a quartet. But then I'll I'll, I'll depending on what the piece, I'll add in some percussion instruments and maybe like um, a gong or something that I think that might fit in or some other percussion instrument that would be fit into the piece, the sound of that piece, so that um, it's a very, like I try to make it a very natural. Um, so synthesizers are forbidden. Uh, that's not natural. <laughs> yeah, since we don't we don't usually use any kind of uh, um, electronic um, piece instruments like that. But uh, yes, it's usually just acoustic instruments. That's that's what we play. That's what I I, I write for. Uh, now, and uh, yeah, that's that's. Now, do you, do you go around the world collecting instruments? I do, unfortunately. It's not a good habit, I guess. <laughs> I mean, as far as for my pocketbook, but I do. I do. If we go somewhere, um, I usually will check out um, what 
whatever's around, and we like we like to go to performances uh, in wherever we are, and then um, like it, that Native American drum. We were in uh, Taos, and they they had this phenomenal Native American drum store, which um, I probably could have been there all day. I mean, till till Linda dragged me out, <laughs> but um, and I like, ended up buying there? one. <laughs> what did they have? What did they have there? What are the different types of drums that you came across? They had they had, I'd say, probably about five hundred different kinds of of sizes and styles and wow. different. Each one sound. The, the, the interesting thing about that is that, like in that place, each one was handmade. So each drum had its own sound. So I, I, of course, me being obsessed with it, I'm trying each one to make sure which is the sound of the one that I want to buy. And I guess different mallets would have created different... Uh... Yes, 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 yes. And that's the same, same with the gongs. I can, I can play um, a, a piece uh, on, on, on one of the gongs and then use a different mallet and you're going to get a different sound. So... That's all all a part of like knowing what sound that you want to get get on the instrument. But I do I I do enjoy going to different places, seeing different instruments, and then um, getting something that's not really um, um, known to the average person, and then just thinking this is a really cool instrument, and then and then you know getting it and thinking, hey, I might be able to use this in a in, in piece like certain piece that I'm writing or that we play or, or something of that sort. But I, I do think it's very, um, to me, interesting to combine all of these different cultures with jazz. And again, it's like bringing people together and bringing music together to make uh, a, a universal language of just just the music and I enjoy it when we, we play in, if we're playing somewhere and uh, we play we play this um, one place in particular a lot it's a it's a, a Japanese jazz bar and there'll be people from all over the world and you know I don't know them and they don't know who we are and they're just enjoying the music and listening to the different elements that we that we put that might have um, an influence from a certain part of the world and and combine it with jazz and 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 I enjoy it and I'm, I'm always happy when seeing that that people seem to be enjoying it. So when when you meet a, an artisan who crafts an instrument, mm-hmm. what do you learn about the sound of the instrument and the use of that instrument that you wouldn't just get by just holding it in your hand and trying to experiment with it? Um, well, usually you, you'll you'll hear what the what the um, person who, who who made the instrument is conveying with with what they they made, and then you'll kind of like want to hear what it sounds like, and you, then I'm always kind of listening with my music in mind, thinking this would really be, fit in with what I'm. I'm writing now or this one piece that we we play if i added this in this would really be cool 
And so that's usually what I'm thinking. And so, so to give you a question, I don't mean to interrupt, but I had a, is it like cooking where you have sort of like a certain kind of entree that you're preparing, but these other things are like the spices? <laughs> yes, yes, they're definitely the spices. Definitely, yes. Yeah. Now, a piece like Love Vibrations, they're more than the spices because it's a, it's a vital part of the the first several minutes of the piece. Are, the, are just the gong. So the spices are really heavy there. So maybe but it's in, more like a root vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in many of the other pieces, they're just another element um, that is added in to spice it up. If you listen to the beginning of so- Searching for Spirituality, you'll hear ch- like a chimes in there. Um, and uh, wind chimes. And that's like a spice at the beginning of it, where where you just it, you're hearing this, and it kind of like fits into the to the to the mood of the piece, and it's it just these elements just just um, you know I don't know like you said spice it up. We're playing we're playing a little piece of that in the background. Oh okay. So, I don't well, know if you can hear it, but uh, I I can hear it because I'm running it through the soundboard, and it's, I'm just trying to play it ever so slightly in the background. But your narration really brings out to me as a non-musician the, the elements of the song. See, Paul, as a musician, really has such a different view. But, but it was, I would have viewed it differently. I would have listened for, without Stan's explanation, I would have listened to it very differently. So now I'm going to have to re-listen to everything now that I hear it from Stan, because yeah. it's going to change it completely. You know, in, in many ways... But you may want to do, on your, or maybe like on your YouTube channel, is give sort of a, 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 a you know, a, a, an overview of what people are listening to uh, that for great. context. Because I think your explanation adds such a richness to the musical listening experience. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. you know, it is, it's almost like years ago, like Japanese music was this tablature. It was written on how to place your fingers, but that you didn't have... The know what the melody was, whereas Western orchestral music, you know exactly what the melody is, and sometimes you get the fingerings, but you don't have the behind-the-scene thoughts. Imagine if Mozart wrote down what he was thinking when he wrote the that Requiem. Would be, that would be really interesting. Right, <laughs> so you have to do that with this music. <laughs> right. Because who knows, maybe 10 years from now, looking back, you may want to supplement saying, you know, I just now I look at it differently as the composer, and I... Whenever, you, know. you know, it's almost like the Talmud where you have the different comments by the different people right, over the years. Right, like, right, right. You know, Rashi well, it's always nice to that. hear what the composer um, was thinking when, when, when he's writing the piece because there are many times that I listen to, to a piece and then I, 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 I'm big on buying CDs. Some people these days, the, the young people don't buy CDs, but the older people do. And I like reading all of the notes. And the worst thing I hate is when there's something that's really interesting, and I'm trying to figure out like what what the, the thought process was for the composer, and there's no notes. <laughs> the only thing I ever had that came close to it is uh, when I was in Great Neck Philharmonic and we performed Elmer Bernstein's The Ten Commandments. He actually, in the rental part, he actually wrote in his thoughts. That's but great. not that, m- mind you, not much, yeah. but a little bit of what the orchestra should be doing, but to a tiny, tiny fraction, and we were all savoring at that. So imagine if you maybe did almost like a director's cut, 
as you talk over, like listen to the entrance of the saxophone at this at measure number five hundred or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it's a musical journey. I, one of the one of the most interesting concerts that I went to as a teenager, which probably did influence me because I I do love music from all over the world, was actually a Ravi Shankar concert where he gave out materials on all of the ragas that he was playing. I still have it. (laughs) But it was like a really interesting thing because you're you're listening to this music that's very foreign. And then there's there's all of these um, uh, written documents explaining the different ragas and what he was doing and all of that sort of thing. And it did help. It did help um, increase your your awareness and interest in it. And um, you know, so that that's another uh, that's another piece. This, that the one piece that Little Princess, which was written for for my granddaughter. If you listen to it, it's a very exotic sounding piece. Um, not, not that my granddaughter is very exotic. I mean, she's great, but I don't know exotic. But um, I don't know. I just kind of heard an exotic sound. Because Can you define what you mean by exotic sound? I'm not following. If you, it, 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 I'm playing it, in the it, background. It's kind of a sound of, of either a Middle Eastern or Indian sound and um, with, a, with a scale that's... That, um, a Middle Eastern sounding scales involved in the piece, and it was scales that I it probably exists, but I I just uh, put it together, and um, it just kind of came out. And that's another piece that, even though um, it, it wasn't, um, it was just came out. So it's like listening to the different music from all over the world influenced the piece, and it just naturally then came out of me you know it's kind of funny the world of synchronicity earlier today during uh, pre-production for some reason i was listening on youtube to an interview of george harrison and with him was ravi shankar oh wow because um it was they were promoting a ravi shankar album that george harrison was the producer of and they were on vh1 and apparently uh they kind of just went into the studio just to sort of maybe do a little bit about Ravi Shankar's album, and it said became a whole full-fledged, you know, interview, and he even did a sort of an impromptu concert with a borrowed guitar, and uh, it's just kind of funny how you mentioned that because it's not every day I really hear about Ravi Shankar or listen to his music, uh, and yet it popped up twice in one day. So maybe, maybe there's some kind of we'll have to listen. I'll have to listen to that interview now. It was like it had something like five million hits. So oh wow! When we're done with the radio show, I'll 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 point it out to you. But it was it was really cool. And George said some very profound things mm-hmm. uh, in the interview. But we'll we'll leave that for another day. We only have another minute in this this segment. Wow. Uh, so we're really flying by. Um, I, I think at some point I do want to talk to you a little bit about the musicians uh, yes. that you regularly play with. Maybe we can when we pick it up on the other side, we could do a little bit of that. That sounds great. And then I also want to talk about your impressive catalog of music uh, and your your performances, which are you know uh, uh, you know something that people really need to strive to see here and there because they're just such treasures. Nothing like a live performance. That's oh, true. Yeah. That is true. That's and and that's where real communities are built. You know, in, in, yes. you know, in the audience. It's very important. 
All right. So Richard Solomon, Paul Solomon, Taking Care of Business, Stan Chavnik, Metropolitan Records, MetropolitanRecordsNYC.com. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Anastasia Zeltos from Athens, Greece, and we listen to Richard Solomon on our computers, and we love it. Welcome back. Richard Solomon, Paul Solomon, Stan Chavnik, Taking Care of Business is the show, and we have been exploring Love Vibrations for Planet Earth, a, a, a CD that's been produced by Metropolitan Records. Stan Chavnik is not only the president of the label, but he's one of the musicians as well, and we've been... I mean, just a great discussion about jazz. You know, it's refreshing to talk about jazz, especially, you know, new music. Uh, it's just, the world needs new music. Um, in fact, uh, you know, my father's place is uh, reopening in Roslyn, and one of their mantras is that it's going to be, you know, original music, whether it's legacy bands or new bands, it's going to be still yeah, original music. So they're, they'll, that, that's something we'll talk about uh, offline. Anyway. We were. I was asking just before the break. Uh, oh, who are all these great musicians that you play with? I know there's Stan, who's on the radio with us. There's Linda, who we've had as a past guest. But you have all these great other people. Uh, let's talk about them. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm going to mention is that uh, Linda and I always play together. We 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 play no matter where it is um, in um, in New York, or we could be playing. Luckily, if we're in a jazz festival and in, in in Italy or France or wherever, and we we think very much alike. Linda's a great, great composer, arranger, and piano player, and we just work really well together. So um, that that's the, the initial mention. Uh, the drummer that we used on the CD, uh, for the most part, because there's a couple, you'll notice there's a few drummers, but the one that we, we play with um, all the time is Seiji Oshii. He's from Japan, and we've been playing with him since 2002. So we've played a lot of jobs with him. We've we've uh, in New York. We've also he did play with us when we went to Italy a couple of times. And uh, he's a great great musician. He takes it very seriously. Uh, I love that about him. He puts his, his heart and soul into it. And um, you just you know you can feel feel it when he's playing. Who where did he study um, and how did you meet him? Um, I met him actually through Linda because Linda had been playing with some. Uh, there's a friend of mine who who uh, had has a group has not had a group. I don't know if she's playing anymore, um, but he had a group and uh, she was playing with his group for a while. And Seiji was playing uh, with them, and then we got a, a job where we were playing every every Friday night at the Warwick Hotel in Manhattan on, on 54th Street. And uh, right away, Linda said we should definitely use Seiji, and we, since then we've been using him. So uh, he's just a, a great drummer, and he, he's from Japan. I'm not sure exactly where he studied in Japan, okay. um, but uh, yeah. And then the bass player that we used on the CD is uh, a, a very excellent musician. His name is Dimitri Motabaka. And um, besides being a great bass player, he's also a great tenor sax player. And in fact, on the first piece, that Love Vibrations for Planet Earth, 
he plays a, um, after uh, first Linda plays piano solo, I play a soprano saxophone solo, and Dimitri plays a great tenor solo on on the recording. So he plays professionally both bass and tenor sax. So so it's a really um, you know that's an interesting combination. And how did you meet him? And again, I met him. It was a big. He was playing saxophone in a big band uh, of like uh, that was like a rehearsal band in uh, at the Union. And they would ha- they would rehearse every week. And Linda was actually the piano player. And one week the the bass player didn't show up. And then um, um, he said, "I'll play the bass." And uh, I guess everybody thought he was joking. <laughs> but they had a bass there, and then he started playing, and then he could really play. So um, I think he surprised people. But he, he's a great bass player, great musician. He has a great feel, great sense of timing. And people don't realize how difficult it is to play bass well. There are many bad bass players oh, yes. out there, yes, and yes. most people do not have the he- ear to listen to the lower tones, the lower end of the viol- uh, the string section. Yes, yes, it's, 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 it's a very important instrument, especially in jazz, because um, the, the rhythm section in jazz has have to be excellent, because they're holding the piece together. Like, as a sax player, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're on top, but if the bottom is not there and somebody doesn't have a great sense of time and a great sense of melody, then, then, um, then it's hard to keep the piece together and to, to, to take it to, to other places. So, so that's, that's the main core of the, of the CD. But I'm going to just mention a couple other people who, who, who are on this, that CD. One is um, Oliver Lake, and he's like uh, a legendary um, sa- alto sax player who's played with everybody. Um, he, he was part of the World Saxophone Quartet, and uh, uh, he, he plays on, on the song The Journey, and he's great. And then the bass player on um, on that four and f- the fourth and fifth piece is Harvey S, um, and he's he's one of the uh, incredible um, bass players. He's played with everybody and recorded with 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 every jazz musician. He has an incredible sense also of time and melody, and he he's just fantastic. He's one of the um, best bass jazz soloists I've ever heard. And then we have Todd Herbert, who is an incredible tennis sax player. He he plays on the song that I wrote, Universal Freedom. And um, Todd was actually recommended to me by the legendary trumpet player Freddie Herbert um, and said that um, you, you, you need to hear this guy Todd. And then when I heard him, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. And, uh, and then we have two other great drummers on the CD. One drama in the fifth piece is Allison Miller, and she's rated in the top uh, on in all the jazz polls. She's rated in, as one of the top drummers. She's just a phenomenal drummer. She's um, she she plays on uh, some of the subs on some of the um, TV shows, Seth Meyers, and uh, I know whenever she's on, they're always featuring her, and she, she she's a great drummer. And then the other person. Um, is Eric Allen, who's also a great drummer, and he played uh, with uh, one of the um, famous trumpet players, Wallace Roney, for uh, a while. 
And um, so it's just great, great group of musicians, and um, that's that's very important when you're playing with with great musicians. It brings you to a place where you might not have been able to go if you didn't have that kind of uh, people around you playing um, incredible music. Now, pardon me. I know that we've discussed along the path uh, in a prior show, but I'm looking at your catalog on MetropolitanRecordsNYC.com. You have an impressive array of music and, 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 and titles. Thank you. Uh, you want to talk about some of them? Well, I just my philosophy again is that I I'm very big on original music, on bringing the music forward to a new place. Um, so most of the most of the CDs, that you, whether they're Linda CDs or Todd Herbert, who's recorded a few CDs, or, um, or, or or some of the other ones, we have Billy Harper, who is um, one of the foremost. Uh, tennis players in the world uh, on the label. We do have a Freddie Hubbard CD on the label. But one of the things that's very important to me is to bring music forward, not to make it a past, um, like uh, um, almost like uh, music that's that's you're, you're enjoying because of what it was in the past, but just bringing it forward and making the music current. And uh, having a lot of original pieces with uh, with great musicians, and just just keeping it keeping it moving. So, so then, my question would be: If so let's say a member of our audience who does not have uh, fluency in jazz, what would you recommend as a good first step to listen to off your catalog? If they just trying to get into into, uh, into they have jazz? very little knowledge of jazz. What would be a good first piece? The only thing they know of jazz is what they heard on the radio. So what would you say would be a good first piece to listen to? I, I would say um, uh, uh, even a piece like uh, Along the Path, because it's a piece, it's, it's a CD where the music is all very listenable. It's not something that's like really far out and you're thinking, oh my God, what in the world are they doing? I have to get into this before I really can enjoy it. It's something that you can listen to and have no knowledge of jazz and just enjoy it. And that's that's one of the one of the ways I see that is is when we're playing in in some of these places that people are going coming to and they're you know they're eating dinner and they're not only just going for the music, but all of a sudden they're like really enjoying the music and you can see that they they're like they're just like start to get fascinated. So to me, if somebody isn't like a jazz fanatic and they're just listening, they're sitting there and then all of a sudden they start to really get into it because it's very listenable and relatable. That's that's something that um um you know is is a great thing. So I would say like Linda's CDs are very very listenable. We have um uh, uh we have another CD it's called Skim Coat where we have uh Billy Child, Buster Williams, Carl Allen's trio. That's three fantastic musicians. They've played with everybody and um uh, they that's definitely listenable there's one cd we have so many it's hard for me to to slow down but we have another cd it's called the sterling place all stars and just 
coincidentally, four great jazz musicians were living on the same street in Brooklyn, Sterling Place, and we recorded it, and that is extremely um, listenable, excellent. It's like featuring a great alto player, Vincent Herring, um, who was phenomenal, and uh, it has uh, uh, piano player uh, Ronnie Matthews on there and, and Carl Allen's on there, and uh, it's it, it is definitely listenable and enjoyable. So you don't have to be a jazz musician to listen to those CDs. Now I'm going to give a different question. Okay. What if someone with an extensive jazz background? They are expert jazz listeners. What should they listen to? What would you recommend for that? I person? would recommend that if anybody is excellent and very versed in jazz, if they put on the Freddie Hubbard CD, Above and Beyond, they'd flip out. Freddie Hubbard was like, besides Miles Davis, was probably the foremost trumpet player for from 1960s to maybe 1990s. And Freddie Hubbard, this was a recording that he had made in a live concert in California at the Keystone Corner. And a producer who, who had, who had record, he owned the club at the time, he had recorded many of the shows, and he had recorded this show, and he played it for me, and I, I was flipping out, because it was like the, probably the best jazz trumpet I've ever heard. And I got in touch with Freddie Hubbard, and Freddie Hubbard said, let me hear it. And then Freddie Hubbard, who has made hundreds of recordings, said, this is my best playing on record. So that's like... Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be reading like an article and people talk about 10 best trumpet solos. They'll be talking about this, 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 uh, this song um, Softly as a Morning sun, Sunrise. And um, that song could, is in many times, people say that's like top 10 trumpet solos, jazz trumpet solos ever. So I would definitely recommend that. And then if um, the other one that I would recommend to somebody is Billy Harper. Billy Harper is a, a absolutely phenomenal musician, and he's been in 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 the forefront of jazz um, for many years. And he's he's played with everyone. Um, and the CD is phenomenal. Um, it's just like it, it, it's it's spiritual, it's powerful, it's interesting, it's it's great music. So now, th- while we're on the catalog, because uh, we talked about sort of the intro and the supermax, running with jazz. Yeah. Well, when when I was in high school, I I was the captain of my track team, and I and I ran, and. And then I didn't run for 36 years. And one day when I was in my 50s, I decided that I was going to start walking again, just going on the treadmill and walking. Well, I did that for a while. And then one day I said, I'm going to run for one minute on the treadmill today. And and Linda's like, why? (laughs) And I said, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And then, uh, then a week or two later, I ran two minutes and three minutes. And before you know it, I started running again. And when I ran as a teenager, there were no headphones. There were no iPods. There were no music that you can listen to. 
and then now you can you can do that. You can put on headphones. You can put on uh, music. And so I thought it would be fun to 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 pick out music from our catalog that would be fun to run to. Wow, cool. All right. So we only have two minutes. Okay. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about that we haven't really discussed? The other CD that I was going to mention, which is an absolutely phenomenal CD, and in fact, there were a couple of people who called this the, the, the record of the year in about the year 2000, is a CD called Haunted Melodies. And one of my favorite sax players, besides John Coltrane, who, who's my favorite, is um, a person named Rasan Roland Kirk. And he was a blind uh, sax player, and he played sometimes three saxophones at the same time. Which I don't Unbelievable. Know, I don't know how he did it, but he did. And we, people thought of him as a novelty, but we actually had somebody arrange his music, and we have on the CD 11 different sax players, all top sax players playing his music. And the CD is just, it's, you have to listen to it. And you uh, can, because on your website, you can sample it. That's right. That's right. It's, it's an incredible CD. It has uh, so many great pieces and so many great people on it. And that was a tribute we did to, to Russ on Roland Kirk. Wow. So. And sadly, <clears throat> we're out of time. But before we leave, we have to thank Stan for spending some time with us, really giving us a great education on jazz. Paul, thank you for great musical insights. I couldn't have done it without you. And uh, you got a great, impressive catalog of great musicians. We need to have you back when the next uh, CD comes along. And uh, if anybody has questions, email it to us, and we'll forward it over to Stan. And uh, definitely catch uh, his shows. They're posted under his... Uh, news and uh, contact us and on his homepage. Uh, it's great stuff. Th th thank you, Richard, and thank you, Paul. And I, thank thank you. you, Paul, for um, bringing your insight and questions to me. Uh, thank you. All right, so for everybody out there, we'll see you in a week. Thanks for listening.